Hi there, I'm Ruth Parker from Alexander Associates and I'm delighted to be able to bring you the next in our series of podcasts, this time speaking to Danny Clark, who spent his career working to champion diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Currently operating in a senior leadership role for the National Federation of Builders, Danny has witnessed firsthand some of the experiences of women and other minority groups have contended with to advance their careers. Throughout his life, he's championed initiatives for change to encourage inclusion for all, alongside a deep appreciation for mental well-being in the workplace, and I'm thrilled he's here today with me. What Kat has said is that you are a champion for diversity in engineering, and I want to understand how you went from working in construction um, and what you're doing now. In terms of diversity? Yes. And how have I ended up where I, where I, where I am now, I guess? It's, it's always been something that I've always felt the need. I hate to use the term stand up for people because that's not the right thing because people don't need to be stood up for. But it's about making sure people feel heard. Have a voice. And people need a voice. People have a voice, but making sure that people hear it, yeah. I think, is the key. Yeah. And it's it's not a permissions thing, because one of the things that we get quite a lot is that people feel that they need to get have permission to speak, and it shouldn't be that at all. Yeah. It should be about making sure that they have the space and they're open enough to speak mm-hmm. and they're confident and know that they what they say is valued. Yeah. But it's making sure that the people in the room are listening as well. Yeah. And it's trying to create that space where they feel heard, but they feel listened to as well, which yeah. is quite important. And, and you're right, from a diversity perspective, so at the NFB, I lead all of our inclusion programs from women in construction, yeah. women in engineering, but also around neurodiversity as well, because yes. it's important that we understand what diversity looks like mm-hmm. and, and also the different facets of diversity. Because interestingly, one of the things that, that I do focus on as well is there can sometimes be this narrative that people will be recruited pro- primarily because of the demographics, mm-hmm. gender, race, age, yeah. et cetera. But actually, the, the most important thing you know from a recruitment background is to recruit the best candidate that yes. just happens to be diverse. Yep. And, and it's important that we look at cognitive diversity as much as that characteristic diversity as well. Yeah. So that we get different people thinking differently mm-hmm. to achieve same, the same goals. And that's yep. the only way we're really going to generate innovation and creativity, yep. I guess. Yeah. So what, why did you realise it was important, though? Because um, I'll be honest, most people don't. Um, and I'm talking to women who are working in engineering, and I work with a lot of women in engineering. And you'll go through your career just accepting things and not even realising that you look around the room and everybody is a man and you're a woman. But it's fine because that's what everybody does. So what, what made you say but no what but this is not what we need what we need is diversity what there must was there a light bulb moment or somebody who inspired you it's just it's quite a leap yeah i guess it's a good question actually and i think the, the overriding thing for me at the moment is when i first joined the nfb probably about 18 months ago we set up a women in construction networking group yeah and hearing some of the stories from females and their experiences in the industry was really eye-opening. Yeah. And you kind of take that moment, step back and go, but that shouldn't happen nowadays. And some of the stories are horrendous, Horrendous. literally illegal. Yes, Um, yeah. And and, and it's important that you share that and it's seeing the support that they don't receive a lot of the time from organisations. Yeah. Thankfully not members, of course. However, but there's things that we can do better. And so 
what I recognised was that the importance of having allies, and, and it's a word that everybody throws around, we yeah. need allies, we need, but what does that actually mean? Yeah. And actually a proper ally is someone who listens and makes sure that people are hearing the voice, mm -hmm. and whether that is that people need to hear that message from somebody who sounds like them, looks like them. Yeah. As a, 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 a white male in the industry, mm -hmm. whether that, whether people are more likely to listen to me because I am yes. those characteristics. Yes. The other thing that I noticed that I really got my go is, is probably the partiest way to put it, is the amount of groups there are talking about it. Yep. There are way too many <laughs> forums, working groups, subcommittees, and all. All talking. It's International Women's Day. Let's do a social media post, pull out the, the, the female that works for the organisation again for her annual outing, yeah. and then put a post on the wall and say, aren't we doing great yeah. things? And the most important thing for me was to see there's so much inaction. Yes. It's time for action. Yep. And I think that the, the key for me is we're going through a massive skill shortage. Mm -hmm. Brexit had an impact. People leave the industry. Yeah. You know from engineering, the amount of engineers that leave the industry yep. for caring, parental responsibilities, men and female, yep. is astronomical. So actually getting the industry to look, to review and revise how we deal with things. Yeah. And we recruit from as wide a pool as possible. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do and actually give something back in terms of, well, what can we do? We can raise the voices. We yep. can do mentoring. You mentioned mentoring. We can do master classes, we can do training programs, we can have networking and community groups that bring people together yeah. to make people feel like they're not on their own yeah. and actually make them feel like they're part of something. And that isn't just women. Y yes. And that's the whole point of inclusion is that you take everybody with you Yes. and you don't have anybody that feels segregated. Yeah. And the more we do that, the more we're going to get the negative behaviours mm -hmm. out of the industry. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I'm... Um, you, you find when you do recruitment, um, there'll be subjects that will come along that you know full well that what they've been asked is to, um, okay, well, we, we need to look at, um, well, uh, we need to look at ED&I or we need to, all these different subjects and it's tick, 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 <laughs> let's pass it down the supply yeah. chain. And as long as they're ticking those boxes, that's fine. And I just didn't want to be part of an industry where I was helping someone tick a box. I want to be part of an industry that wants to change. And that's what these videos mm. were about. One of the starting points for me in, in any types of programs, whenever we talk to people about inclusion and EDI and, yeah. and people that have the, the perception of, we're going to do this. Great. Let, let's explore that a little bit. Yeah. Because the first question that I generally would ask would be, why? Yeah. Why are you doing it? What yeah. are you hoping to achieve from it? And if it's for any other reason than it, just because it's the, the, the right thing to do, you've probably missed the point somewhere. Mm -hmm. It isn't a PR stunt. It isn't a post on the wall. It yeah. isn't quotas and ratios and things like that because that just drives the wrong behaviours. Yep. Because if the organisation is not ready for more women, more women in positions of responsibility, yep. more ethnic, diverse candidates to yep. apply and be put into the senior positions, you just set them up to fail. Mm -hmm. But equally, what you'll then have is the organisations that go, hey, at least we tried. You know, we recruited them. No. Yeah. If you're not ready, yeah. get yourself ready. Yeah. And if it's not that you're doing it for the right reasons, just don't do it. Tick box exercises is very much keeping up with the Joneses, mm -hmm. which unfortunately does sometimes happen. Yeah. You're doing it, let's do it as well. Let's, yeah. let's be seen to make yeah. sure we're doing it. And it isn't the right reason. Nope. If it isn't, as I say, to do the right thing, then just don't do it. Yeah. From a, a women in construction perspective is, one of the things that we did from sitting on all these groups, so I sit on the Construction Industry Council and a few other panels around ED&I, is 
as well as there's lots of people talking about it, there are some that are starting to take action. There was this overriding rhetoric that there's not enough women in the industry. And so the constant message to even the women that currently work in the industry is there's not enough women, we need to get more women, we mm -hmm. need to get more women. At no point do you ever see people go, we need to get the right women, we yep. need to get the right quality of candidate, yep. we just need to get women. Yeah. And what that kind of led me to, to, to kind of view and, and some of the conversations that we had in our groups was the narrative to the people that already work is they're not enough. Yeah, yeah. And they go, well, what about me? I work yeah. in here already. Yeah. I work in the industry. Am, yeah. am I not enough for, for the, the role? You want somebody just because, am I employed just because I'm female? I'm employed because I'm a bloody good engineer. Yeah. I'm a bloody good site manager or, or I'm really good at what I do. Yeah. And what they don't do is go, yes, you are really good. And that was why we launched the Top 100. Yeah. So last year, hopefully you would have seen it, we yes. launched the Top 100 Most Influential Women in Construction, primarily to say, we do need this more women. This is the women. top 100. This is the top 100 women. So this is the top 100. Top Imagine 100. how hundreds there are. Yeah. And yeah. the idea behind it was to say, there are enough women in the, there, 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 there aren't enough women in the industry. There aren't. That categorically, we need to get more women. However. Yeah. And the key difference here was, however, here are 100 amazing women yeah. that already work here. So if you are exploring the industry and think about coming into construction, which is a, a really good industry to work in. Yeah there will be a role model for you. So yeah. it wasn't us going out and cherry picking our favourites, us going out and picking members or anything like that, which is what sometimes people accuse us of. Right. It was about saying it's for the industry. Mm. So we asked people to nominate anyone that you work with, whether that's somebody locally or somebody that leads the industry from their, their behaviours. We then had a couple of stalkers in Mans and then we had a, a swanky do in Manchester. Uh, and we celebrated 100 amazing women. Brilliant. And it went from tradespeople and apprenticeships yeah right the way through to the C-suite and everyone in between across England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, yeah. which was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and we really celebrated that and we had 350 people in the room in Manchester and it was a really good vibe and celebration and everyone yeah. enjoyed it. And we then launched our legacy programme, which was mentoring, those that want to be mentoring, I feel like I'm doing a sales pitch here, a mentoring <laughs> programme, <laughs> master classes, yeah. our monthly peer groups where yeah. we get, bring everybody together, ILM training that we fully fund, um, so we're fully funded place on that. And everything that we do is fully funded. Right. With support from Strategy B and other partners, we're able to say, we don't charge. We just want to bring people together. So yeah. last year we ran a masterclass on finding your voice, which was around how to find your voice in a room. Yeah. Physically, publicly, face-to-face, -face, but also online. And actually gave people some hints and tips around finding the voice. As I say, it's not about permission. And the best feedback that I, I still remember from today, from the session itself, was you mentioned about um, people changing their behaviours was one of the attendees who turned around and went, I've been part of the problem. Yeah. Because I've changed who I am. I've changed how I talk. Yeah. I've changed how I look yep. to fit in or to, to do what I perceive to be fitting in. Yep. And actually, I've been part of the challenge. I've been part of the problem because I've bemoaned the fact that I've not been promoted. I've bemoaned the fact that I've not advanced as, as much as my, my yeah. male colleagues. However, I've always assumed the supporting role. Yeah. And it's interesting because the biz, the, the, her line manager, who was also female, sat next to said, I've always assumed you're happy with the supporting role. Yeah. I've never really seen that you've wanted to progress and, yeah. and take things forward. So actually, she said, well, I've been part of the issue. And actually, what I'm going to do is actually be more authentic and yeah. be more myself, which was brilliant. Yeah. But you see how many people do adjust the behaviours yeah. to fit into the demographic. Yeah. We, we talked about it in a couple of the interviews. Um, and, um, you know, Kat said she ended up, being this person that she was like, whoa, I mean, you know, so because she had to um, 
almost defend her place as the as a manager. She became, you know, well, she said it was. I just became a, not difficult, but I felt I had had to be, or I had tried being one of the boys. That didn't work. So I tried that approach, and that didn't work. And yeah, actually, when you're authentic to yourself, that's when it works. Um, but if you're if you're in an environment where you're out on site and you're not getting the respect from the people around you, it's quite well difficult to be authentic. You almost have to, you feel you have to change your behavior. So yeah, for yeah, people. Yeah, that's an interesting one in, in as far as being one of the boys as, yeah. a, as a phrase. Because actually, what does that mean? Yeah. And, and there is this perception and the construction industry is renowned for laddish. Yeah. Oh, we're toxic, we're, we're not toxic masculinity. We are really all alphas and things yeah. like that. That's not the case. It's such a diverse workforce pool. Yes, there will be certain instances where unacceptable behaviours happen, but that's any industry yep. happens in. Um, not defending construction, but it happens everywhere, or in a lot of places rather than everywhere. Um, but I'd I just like to explore that, what is, what is the culture, what is the site? Because actually, having been out, and I do go out to sites, and I do do that, and what is sometimes perceived to be banter, yeah, and it's one of my favourite topics. And when people go, "Well, oh, it's just banter," I'm just having a laugh. Yeah. Now I like a joke as much as anybody. Yeah. As you and your colleagues will probably find out over the next couple, of, the next half an hour or so. But the big thing for me is, at what point is it banter? Yeah. And whenever I've done session and, and I talk and things like that, I always say banter. For you, that might be the first time you've ever made that comment to that person. Mm -hmm. And for you, it's it's funny. Yeah. You've just made a flippant comment, as you would with anybody else, and you don't see what the issue is. However, if every site that person's been on, somebody has made that comment, yep. made that statement, or made that joke for the last, let's say, a year. Yeah. Every time you've been on site, somebody makes it. At what point does it stop becoming funny? Yeah. At what point do you turn around and go, do you know what? This is a learning experience. Stop for a second. If someone gets offended, rather than jump to the defensive, why don't you just take a moment to understand why that person's just become offended? Yeah. And it isn't that we've all suddenly become woke yeah. or, or snowflakes or any other yeah. derogatory terms that people have. Take a moment to reflect and think, why have they become offended? Yeah. What have I said that prompted that behaviour? And actually try and have a bit of empathy to see what have, what's your experience. Because actually, if they turn around and I get that joke every day, you might go, yeah, you're right, it's not funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, that kills it. Alternatively, people in the peer group is the other one that I always find. Because actually, if you speak to them as a collective, there'll always be a loud voice in the room. The person who dominates conversations and things like that. But actually, if you speak to them as well as the others, mm -hmm. you'll be surprised how often they'll go, yeah, I, I never thought it was funny. But they don't quite feel comfortable to speak Same. up. Yeah. And actually, we kind of can sometimes foster this culture that you have yeah. to go along with the voice. And it is that thing about not wanting to go against your social peers. Mm -hmm. And actually, even when you know it's wrong, you won't necessarily be the person that goes, that's not right. Yeah. Because yeah. you want to fit in. Yeah. But actually, if, if everybody in that circumstance feels uncomfortable, at what point is then yeah. it acceptable to say, that's not funny? You talk about the mental health statistics, which is another passion of mine, as well as diversity. You see the scale of mental health yes. and suicide statistics in yeah. construction. It's awful. Yeah. And part of that is because people aren't being true to themselves yeah. or they're subjecting themselves to things that they don't wouldn't deem to do outside of work. Yeah. So why would you do it in work? Yeah. And therefore they had hold that guilt that they didn't take away with them and they beat themselves up for not challenging it. Yeah. Which isn't right either. No. So the more organisations can actually act on it yeah. and deal with it properly, the better. In, in terms of dealing with it, because there is an interesting point here that I would like to raise. So when I mentioned about some of the stories that we get told, there's three 
instances in particular that really get my goat, that is part of the thing that drives me to try and make the change. One was an instance of a, of a young female colleague who um, had managers ply them with alcohol, turn up at the hotel room late at night, mm. knock on the door to make sure they're okay. Absolutely not acceptable. No. Let's, let's be clear about that. Yeah. Some, another one who told me that on, on site they had their breasts grabbed, which is, is assault. Yeah. And the last one is uh, an individual that had rubber phalluses placed around the work site in the, in, 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 in the spirit of humour is what I perceive that to be, which isn't very funny. No. But the big thing for me is all of those three individual cases were all reported and all were not really dealt with as, as, they, should a, have been. as they should have been. Yeah. There seems to be a disconnect between yeah. reporting lines so that they seem to get reported to a certain point, but then the exec teams and the people that run the organisations generally don't hear about it. Yeah. So actually, I'd, I'd always encourage people to say, do you really understand what goes on at site yeah. level? And what are your lines of communication to get those types of stories? Because that is assault. Yeah, it's outrageous. And not, not acceptable in the no. scientist. And actually, no. what are you doing about it? Yes. And actually, inevitably, the three individuals left the company yep. as opposed to stayed on site. One of them even got told, we'll deal with it once the project's finished. And if you, want to be, if you ever want an example of just how much we don't value some people that work on site, it's to say the, 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 the project is far more, more important, important than you. Yeah, than you. Let me deal with that first, yeah. and then we'll deal with it. Yeah. Too late at that point. Yeah, no. No wonder people are leaving the industry or leaving the companies. Yeah. And have that space open so that people can be honest about what they're experiencing. Yeah. And that way you're going to change it. Yeah. It's the things when you talk about the banter um, and actually being brave enough to go, yeah, actually, I just don't find that funny. Please, you know, please don't talk like that because I just don't find it funny. And actually, people will respond to that, but it's, it's not becoming part of the problem. And yeah. I think that happens so often where you just become part of the problem because you laugh along with it. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's the uncomfortable laughter. Yeah, that's yeah. That's the other side of yeah. it. Where people go, oh, oh, yeah. am I meant to laugh? I'm not quite yeah. sure. Because it wasn't funny. It but... wasn't funny, but I want to fit into my group. Yeah. And that's that's the, that's the other side of it is is not changing fundamentally who you are. Yeah. Because if it's not right, and you got, I always say to people, trust your gut instincts. If you're in a situation it doesn't feel right. Yeah. It probably isn't right. You... And what are you doing about it? Um, and the other thing I'd say on the, on on the whole banter thing is. A lot of the time, there will be people that are experiencing that situation that, that just go along with it and they just don't deal with it. Yeah. And it's those people that then end up leaving because th they then have this perception that that is just what the industry is like. Yes. Because if that's what they come into, that's what yeah. they then If you get that every day, if that's, that's what, your experience of something. So that becomes I don't want to do this anymore. That's custom practice. Yeah, I'm going to go. This is just yeah. what the industry is like. And yeah. it isn't. There's so yeah. many wonderful sites doing so many wonderful yeah. things on a daily basis that should be the focus of our attention. Yeah. We should, we need to change the narrative associated with construction as well. Yeah. Because the narrative itself across the industry is not as good as it could be. I was yeah. going to say awful, but it's not quite as bad as it was. Generally, it depends on the type of conversation you have. There'll be those that say, oh, the industry is just for men. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, let's, let's be specific. The industry is predominantly male, predominantly white male, mm -hmm. predominantly heterosexual white male, yeah. people like me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a space for everybody in the industry. Mm -hmm. Let, let's be clear. And, and actually, most people are all about cognitive diversity. They're all about making sure that it's a quality person doing the quality work and tradesmanship. Yeah. Tradespersonship. That's the most important thing. However, you also then get a separate narrative, which is, well, construction isn't for academics. It's for the thick kids. It's for the kids that weren't 
academic at school that yeah. couldn't sit exams, they couldn't do coursework. That's not true. There's 186 roles in construction. Yeah. There is a role for everybody. Yeah. Engineering, classic case, is very academic. Yeah. There's a lot of women engineers. You have got to be technical. You have you got to, to tick this box. Yeah. You do. Um, and the other thing around the, um, the, the, the non-academic route is the fact that people say there is a higher than average rate of neurodivergent employees in construction. But actually, if you find that, you find the data set, it doesn't exist. Right. We've looked at it in lots of different places, which is why we have a, another plug here, we have our neurodivergent survey. Right. So we've gone out to say, what does it look like? Because everybody says, well, I was in this room of engineers, yeah. coincidentally, and I asked how many people have autistic traits, and half the room put their hands up. Therefore, half of engineers are autistic. That's not, <laughs> that's not a data set, I'm no. sorry. No. Let's go out and find out. Yeah. So actually, we're, Let's we've get gone the real out. data. Let's get the data. We've gone out to the um, construction industry to say, what does neurodiversity look like in our industry? Yeah. What conditions are there? Has it been shared? How has it impacted on communication? How has it impacted on training and career development and stuff like yeah. that? And let's try to understand what neurodiversity yeah. looks like. Because if we can understand that, we can then start to look at how do we bring people into the industry? Because then we are looking at a diverse yeah. workforce. Workforce, absolutely. And we've got the biggest talent pool possible to then yeah. plug the gaps. We've got to grow by 45,000 people, more people than leave the industry year on year. Yes. That's a big it's, target. It's a huge, huge target. And we're not going to get where we need to be no. with, if we keep losing people. Which does leave an industry in crisis, which is what I've talked about so often. Yeah. Um, because you, it, 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 where, how do we continue if we don't have growth in engineering? That is, you know, is an industry in a bit of crisis, which is why it's so important um, that it is seen as a, a career that is available for everyone. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I absolutely believe that that is so important. And the only way we're actually going to plug those gaps is by looking at a, as diverse a pool of talent as possible. Yep. That's the only way to deal with it. Yep. Homophily, I think, is a term that I've started to become familiar with from a recruitment perspective, which is where people recruit people that look like them, think like them, or are culturally similar. Yeah. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. Yes. You have to accept and embrace a wide pull. Yeah. And the only way we can do that is by looking outside of the, the realm. So looking at new starters, looking at new entrants, looking at people returning to the industry, yeah. looking at new ways of working, hybrid working. I know people go, but you can't be hybrid if you work on site. You can be hybrid because actually you can look at flexibility in terms of don't be on site at seven o'clock, get there for nine or 10, mm -hmm. look at reduced hours, look at job shares. Yeah. There's lots of opportunities. There's yeah. lots of transferable skills that can come into the industry. There's so many different ways of working if we change this traditional approach of you've got to be on site at seven o'clock, got to leave at three o'clock five o'clock whatever that looks like just stop go take a step back and go how do we do it differently yeah and if you think differently yeah. get that cognitive diversity which i mentioned you have different people coming with different solutions to the same problem yeah and that's the only way we're going to change yeah. that approach I, i'm going to come back to mentoring actually because the other thing i wanted to kind of touch on is um one of the first questions you asked me about is why is it important for men to talk about it yes and, and men to promote ed and i from a male perspective, why should men be talking about it? Men should be talking about it for the same reason that women talk about it, because it's important for the workforce. Yeah. This isn't a them and us attitude, but this is what's rife in the industry, and, and, and not just our industry, but most industries, where you create this them and us approach, where you go, this is what we are, this is what we recruit, and, and, and they're just going to come and join us. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, what you want to do within your teams, and whether that's teams, departments, groups, whatever, however you describe it is, to look at them as an us. Mm -hmm. And what do we look like? What yeah. do we sound like? What do we do to achieve our goals? 
Now, what I will always say that I've experienced in multiple industries, construction, healthcare, rail, manufacturing, lots of different sectors, is the fact that there will be men in positions that will support, coach, mentor, develop their teams regardless of gender. Yeah. There will be women that coach, support their teams regardless of gender. However, equally, there will be men who don't do that and there will be women that don't do yeah. that. So actually, the, from a role modelling perspective, females that work in construction, and without preaching to the converted, of course, need to make sure that they're not shutting the door behind them. Yes. Because there is something, another thing that we've come across a few times, which is, I hate to call it Smurfette syndrome, where there is a Smurfette syndrome to a degree where they are the only female that sits yep. on the board and they do not want to weaken their position by another female joining yep. the board, which is just, I need this war, nonsense. Well, it's ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. That's a polite way of putting it. Because actually it's about us all supporting each other. Absolutely, yeah. And actually not seeing as threats. Yeah. What, what will undermine my position, it doesn't. Because actually, if we actually understand the benefits of supporting each other, yeah. then we'll see the benefits to the organisation, yeah. benefits to our yeah. teams and, and truly grow and have proper inclusive teams. Other people's success needs to be seen as a way that enhances your position, not belittles your position. Yeah, I'd, and actually, um, in my experience, um, I've come across women who are not good champions of women. And it's exactly that situation of, well, I've got here and I'm not bringing anyone else along for the ride because I've got myself to this position. So it, it goes absolutely against with, yeah, yeah. you know, everything that we should be thinking. Um, and yeah, women, there are women who will not champion women in the workplace. And it's, um, it's that that fear of um, well, what happens to me if they get there as well, but what if they're better than me? What if they're more successful than me? And it's seeing yeah, other people's success as actually, you know, su look at the journey they've gone on and you were there with them and that's incredible, yeah. 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 But see, I'd say that, interesting on that perspective, and you, you're spot on, and, but for me, that's not a gender thing, that's a personality thing. Yeah. That's an insecurity yes. on their part. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's anything to do with gender no. because it happens across, yeah. across genders. However, it's very much a personality thing where people protect their positions by just holding other yeah. people back. Yeah. And it's like, I saw this interesting thing on LinkedIn the other day that said equity is not a pie. Giving, having an equitable solution, having a share in equity does not reduce what you've got. Yeah. And I thought, I've probably done it a disservice, but it was a really good analogy. I was like, that's a really important. If you give people equity, if you give people support to, to operate at a level or to apply for roles or... Or, or to have training and development opportunities that they need to, to, to undertake a task or undertake a role, doesn't weaken your position. It no. doesn't lessen what you've already got. No. Because you're already in the seat. Yeah. And if they are that much of a threat, they're probably going to overtake you anyway. Yeah. And if your attitude is that, well, good. I'm glad they're going to overtake you because we need people that are going to overtake you for people to be able to go, oh, wow, come on, come along with me for this journey. Yeah, come yeah. on, come and be successful with and, me. And, and, and that's, the, that's the way that I generally look from my perspective. I think there's nothing more, more powerful than seeing other people flourish. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with, with the training you do with um, people being able to have a voice and being listened to, that must be life-changing for some people to feel that. Yes, um, and that's an interesting one. So from my perspective, you always undervalue, undervalue what you do because you just do it, Yeah. if that makes sense. So like everything we do or everything I do from the, the networking groups to the training to the talks and stuff like that, you do it because it's just the right thing to do and it's yeah. just how I've, I've been raised, to be fair. But actually seeing that, that little 
in light bulb moment where people go, oh, I get it. Yeah. And why and you go, but I just don't understand why my, my suck is, but I don't understand why you didn't get it. Yeah. I don't understand why this isn't just the norm. Yeah. So actually to being able to then break down those barriers and actually raise awareness yeah. is, is really important. Um, and it's interesting, so like we, when we do the masterclasses and I talk about inclusion and the benefits and quote McKinsey and things like that, and people like the statistics, but the statistics are statistics, let's be fair. But actually having somebody stand up and say, this is the, how it's benefited our organisation. Yeah. This is the difference it's made. It's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And see, celebrating other people's successes. And that's yeah. what we should be doing more in the industry is amplifying those voices. And I always say it's, it's not about hiding them, it's about amplifying. So if yeah. somebody's doing something brilliantly, that's what we should be doing. Yeah. And that is for any EDI programme. When I say about um, the programmes that we run, if somebody else is doing something better than we are, absolutely. Yeah. I'll sit here and I'll stand out and I'll go, that's amazing, you should look at that. Yeah. They're doing brilliant things, whether that's to do with um, rehabilitating offenders, whether that's to do with veterans, mm -hmm. whether that's to do with EDI. It should be celebrated. Yeah. There, should, there is this competitive nature where people think, they're doing a brilliant thing, we should do it as well. Why? Yeah. Why can't you just go, that's really good, let's just support that? Absolutely. It just that yeah. defeats the purpose. Yeah. It's an industry that's meant to be collaborative and collaboration yeah. is key to everything construction does, but there's so much competition, it yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. Um, I've never thought about that, but that's so true, isn't it? But, they're doing that brilliantly. Right, quick, everyone, just do, do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why can't you let them be brilliant at what they're brilliant at? And we're going to continue yeah, yeah. being brilliant at what we are. And that means... Everybody thrives. Yeah, and you get more... People looking at solutions for things yeah. that work. Yeah. yeah. And get yeah. different thoughts come together. The interesting, yeah. th the other the one that always makes me laugh because you've got me on my soapbox a little bit <laughs> is internal networks. Internal networks, so organisations that go, we've got this really good internal network. We yeah. support, we champion yeah. our, our, our women or our ethnic diversity colleagues yeah. or we do this, go, brilliant. Yeah. Good for the industry, fantastic. Who do you engage with? Do you, support, do you engage with supply chain? Do you engage with other organisations? Yeah. No. Yeah. So you've got an internal network that is all about inclusivity yeah. and diversity, but it's internal. There's yeah. nothing quite like being exclusively inclusive. Yeah. Why don't you share best practice? Yeah. If you've got something that's really, I'm not saying commercially sensitive stuff, absolutely not. No. However, there's frameworks, there's themes that you can share externally yeah. to other people that haven't quite got there yeah. on the programme. Why aren't you sharing it with other people? Say, this is what's worked. Yeah. That's gone really well. Yeah. But we don't. We try and do it to us so it, it amplifies our employee yeah. brand. Yeah, Look at us. Yeah, there almost Why? does seem to be this um, attitude of, well, I can't tell them that because then if I tell them what we're doing, well, they might do it. They'll and then it we'll well. lose our USP or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. And you just think, well, that's a load of nonsense. Because there's no USP because most organisations have an internal network. Yeah. So what's the yeah. USB there? Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't work. No. And I wanted, like the companies that you're engaging with then, mm. how do you, how do you, do they come to you? Do you go, I mean, what kind of companies are you dealing with? What? Both. Right. I think it's a polite way to put it. So we, we work with people proactively. We work with people reactively. Um, the biggest challenge I have, if I'm brutally honest, is people don't quite appreciate just the breadth of what we do. Yeah. So it's, it's not until you actually sit down with somebody and go, oh, and we do this, and yeah. we do this. Because yeah. actually a social media post of everything we do around inclusion would be yes. multi-threads yeah. if it's Twitter. And people don't realise just how much we do. And the other captain, people always go, what's in it? How much is it going to cost? Yeah. What are you trying to sell to me? You go, no, no, genuinely. Because yeah. it's, again, from our perspective, when we launch an inclusivity programme, we can't be exclusively inclusive. We have to say, it's, no, genuinely, our mantra is to support the industry. So whether you're an SME or a tier one, 
come along. We have partners. We're not for profit. Yeah. We want more members, of course. So if you are interested, join us. But we want to be get people together because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Sharing that best practice and sharing ideas. Yeah. So we work with tier ones. But we work with SMEs. We work yeah. with recruiters. We yeah. work with contractors. We work with merchants. We work with marketing companies. Yeah. We work with PR agencies. We work with anyone associated with construction yeah. to give people that platform to say, this is how you can be an ally. Yeah. This is how you can support each other. This is how you can mentor. And our mentoring program, so I'll focus on that for a second, is personally matched. Labour intensive. However, what we do is we train the mentees and we train the mentors. Because lots of people go, I need a mentor. Or I want to be a mentor. And what generally you say is, great, what do you want to mentor somebody on? Yes. And they go, what do you mean? You go, well, it's quite a big job, quite yes. a big responsibility. <laughs> when you say you want men you want to mentor somebody, what's your skills? What can you yes. help somebody with? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, let's, let's refine what that looks like. Yeah. Or you get people go, I want a mentor. You go, brilliant. Why? Yeah. What do you need mentoring on? Yeah. Because you really need, if you're going to have a proper mentoring relationship, in my opinion, you need to have a really clear focus. And that sh focus should be yeah. what you talk about for between three months Generally six to 12 months at a push, no more than that. Yeah. But three to six is typical. And you want to be mentored on that. So we train them say, this is how you get the most out of a mentoring mm -hmm. relationship. And mentors, it's your time. You're generally highly valuable yeah. in terms of your time. And, and if you were charge out rate, you'd be really expensive. But you're giving your time up freely, which is amazing. Yeah. Make sure you value it. It's not a talking shop. Yeah. You want to go for a coffee, that's not mentoring. No. Mentoring is helping that person develop. Yeah. And we get the mentors, mentees, we look at what they're looking for. We then look at personalities, we speak to them, and then we match them. Yeah. And we match them for a Zoom meeting to, on the first one, so it's a group set up, they're one-to-ones. And if it works, great, we leave them to go on. And if it doesn't work, we go, no problem, we'll find you somebody find else. Find someone else, But we yeah. thought that would work because yeah. of what we know about you both. And that is a, a service that we operate for some of our members, but also wow. other people in the industry. And do you, um, obviously you help companies with practical things that they can do, and, and if you've got, a company that's at the very start of saying, okay, we think we've got um, an issue around diversity. We just, we've got to look at it. What do you, is there a, some like really simple things that companies can do straight away that really easy that will, will affect change, not, not massive change, but if you start this little spark, this could happen. Um. Yeah, they don't cost anything, to be fair. Yeah. One goes back to the point I made earlier on is, why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. If you understand why you're doing it, that's the biggest step forward you can take. Yeah. Second thing I'd say is talk to the people that work for you. Yeah. Because the people that work for you have the answers mm -hmm. in most cases, and they'll have the experiences to shape those answers. And only by engaging with as wide a pool as resource permits will you get those answers? Yeah. Don't just go to one or two individuals, go yeah. to a, a cross-section of the full team yeah. in a way that enables them to communicate. Yeah. And, and, and I have to emphasise that. Don't get everybody in the room and say, what do we do? need to do better? Because yes. unless you have the right environment, people go, there's nothing we can do to be yeah. better. You're wonderful to work for. No, yeah. you're not. Yeah. And then four people give notice and the next week <laughs> and you're like, everything. Mm, maybe not. Um, for me, speak to your teams and look at the data that you've got. Data around absence rates. Yeah. That, that is a really insightful. Um, induction programs. What induction programs have? Exit interviews. Yeah. What's your data that you've already collated? What is it telling you? And actually deal with it. Yeah. Have somebody responsible to looking at all this and actually leading the program. Then you can start to look at now what do we need to do? Yeah. It's really tempting to bring in outside consultancies and yeah. work on the basis of all these wonderful training programs and things like that. Most of it isn't 
chart, it isn't going to cost you the earth. The sustainability school, uh, the supply chain sustainability school, uh, we work with them on an FIR program for e-learning, funny enough. And so part of our legacy program, plug for us, is free. Right. It's around the culture and what can you do around your culture yeah. and diversity and stuff like that. But don't make it mandatory. Mm. Because yeah. the other side of that is there's nothing worse than being told you've got to sit through this. Why? Because somebody up at head office told me yes. to. Yes, yeah. You might That's get to the point where you do it mandatory, but you want to kind of have the ambassadors that kind of encourage the right I did this, and this I is what I got it. from it, and this is, yeah, yeah, so why we, don't you do it? Yes, yeah, so we yeah. have an ambassadors programme, and I always say to people, we have an ambassadors programme because we want people to want to be working with us. We don't yeah. want people to have to do it. And they go... Most questions I'll ask that I get asked about the ambassador program is, so what do you want me to do? I go, what do you want to do? Yeah. What are you passionate about? Because I want you to be involved in things that you're passionate about. Yeah. I don't want you to be involved in things that I'm passionate about because I don't know it all. Yeah. It isn't about my program. It's our program. Yeah. And what we're going to do? Yeah. Um, and that's the other side. I've not really answered your question. I realise that I've done that big thing <laughs> where I go around the circle. But I didn't want you to do that. The big thing would be speech your teams. 100%. Look at the data. Look at your data. Yeah. And have a clear why. Why are you doing it? Yeah. I don't mean these fancy words that you put on the wall yeah. that don't reflect the organisation yeah. that you see everywhere. I only put words on the wall that actually everybody knows and yeah. buys into. Because that will then shape who you recruit, yeah. how you recruit, who and you the retain. organisation and who you retain. Yeah. Because the other side of that is be comfortable losing people. Yeah. If people don't align to your organisational culture and spirit, it's okay to let them go. Yeah. Don't hold on for the sake of holding on to them. Yeah. If they don't have the right behaviour. Which is a temptation, temptation in a um, such a uh, such a skill shortage market. The temptation is, oh no, we'll we'll counter offer, we'll do this, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. But the problems. The reasons that they were moving on are still there. And actually, there are some people that if you're making changes and they're not happy, and that's the way your organisation is going, you need to be able to go, no, that's, we wish you really well. Good luck. Yeah. Off you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. And you find that a lot with sales roles, funnily enough. Obviously, I see the things that you put on LinkedIn and 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 it's it's an unusual subject for somebody to be talking about and spending you know, you're obviously so passionate about it and spending so much time talking about it and doing something about mm. it. And that's a huge amount that other companies can learn mm. um, from and so the one, service that you're offering. Yeah, and, and interesting, one, one of the other things I didn't cover off, so I will touch on it now, is outside of the NFB, yes. I said, this is my day job. Yes. So I also run a Not Health and Wellbeing community. Right, okay. And I'm a trusted mates in mind and I am sit on the Occupational Health and Wellbeing Association professionals board so i'm heavily involved in occupational health and well-being right and i talk a lot about menopause funny enough yeah so i talk about menopause yeah. from a man's perspective interestingly enough i talk about andropause because people don't know about andropause which no. is the male menopause yeah um i also talk about women's health generally and men's health generally yeah. because it's one of those things that people always go if what well, my biggest post today on linkedin was me asking the question about um menstrual leave and I got absolutely battered by it. Really? Yeah. I've oh. got quite a lot of people asking me about it, saying, why am I talking about it? It's not that bad. And, and those types of questions. And I, my, my general point would be, I should be talking about it because yeah. it affects 50% of the population. Yeah. Therefore, having a degree of understanding, I'm yeah. never going to experience the pain. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can't try to understand. Yeah. And actually having support mechanisms in place to help people yeah. when they are menstruating or going yeah. through that, 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 I was going to say period in the month, that's probably an impolite way to put it, <laughs> but the time of the month. And actually having the understanding to say, do you know what, if it, when this happens, 
if you're suff suffering or, or, or living with it at that period in time, you do what you need to do to, to get through it, yeah. ultimately. It's yeah. the same as any other health condition. Yeah, yeah. But there's different severities. So people go, oh, but it's not as bad. I don't understand. Because well, you're not experiencing it. Yeah. Just because you're female doesn't mean you'll understand what your colleague next to you is experiencing Absolutely. that time of month. If yeah. need to work from home, work from home. If you need to not be in work, don't be in Absolutely. work. You just have that flexibility and approach yeah. to be able to support people. And the same goes for, for, the, for the male. And I always remember sitting on the webinar, funny enough, as, the, as, as a token male, talking about women's health, with um, two individuals, Emma Passand and, and Anita Mukherjee, um, for, for my community. And it was just eye-opening because you just didn't realise just no. The, how intense it could be. Yep. But thank you no, for giving up you your time and mm. coming and speaking to me because it truly is fascinating. And I think we're just going to have to get you back for another interview so no. that you can talk about more things. <laughs> no, because it is really interesting. And there's so many things that I think you just don't consider when you're, um, yeah, when you even when you just talk about treating people, people as individuals, mm. if every company did that, we actually wouldn't be in the crisis that we are now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast in our She's an Engineer campaign. Join me again for my next episode with Sharon Wormsley, Director of Ashran Consulting.